0: Welcome back, folks. Welcome back to Miskatonic's Remote Education Program. This is the Literature Department's 210 Graphical Literature and Society and History, a.k.a. the Comics Course. I am your ever-present and ever-suffering instructor, Professor Hamby, and with me is my ever-vigilant for students, uh, T.A. Rowan. She usually does a pretty good job of pushing them down the stairs so that the dogs can get them uh, in the quad. How are you doing, Rowan?
1: I don't know what you're talking about, and I'm doing great.
0: Good. Uh, it's been a rough week, folks. Dr. Feckett is still lamenting the loss of his latest wife. Uh, and he's been having me teach his classes and these people want me to actually like read their papers. I mean, I teach them. If they had anything of interest to say, they'd be teaching. So this seems like a pointless exercise to me. (sighs)
1: It I up don't. With Dr. Feckett, he's the one who asked them to write the papers.
0: I attempted to. I leaned out my window and knocked on his office window, and all he did was open the window, blow a raspberry at me, and yell something about shutting off my power. Little does which you, if he was leaning out his window, you'd think he'd notice my solar panels. I don't think the man's observed. Oh God, the hounds are angry again. So. Sorry about that. We had a minor blip because one of the hounds in the quad started getting upset again. Um, I I think they grabbed a hold of an economics student this time and they were really stringy and they just weren't very happy about it. So we may hear some more barking and growling as the podcast goes on and I apologize for that in advance. Uh, But there's only so much you can do with the Miskatonic quad dogs. So Don McGregor was writing Black Panther, and as I mentioned in the last class session, a frequent complaint he got from Marvel Editorial was, where are the honkies? We need honkies in this title. Kids are honkies, and kids read comics, so you have to have honkies in the comics.
1: Because as we all know, there's no such thing as black kids.
0: Right. Now, one of the things I love is that Dwayne McDuffie, who later went on to help found Milestone, he wrote Static, uh, and one of the great black comic book writers talked about how one of the things that changed his life was reading Don McGregor's Jungle Action. And, and his phrase all has always stuck with me. He said, in this, in this story of this mythical Wakanda and there were no white people, black people went from invisible to inevitable. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, that's a powerful feeling for a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, so Don McGregor is sitting around and I guess he finally decided to give in to Marvel editorial and include more honkies. Um, and if, if by using the term honky offends you (laughs) good. Um, so he decided to introduce a storyline where Monica Lynn, uh, Black Panther's, you know, sexual chocolate, um, has to go. Don't
1: refer to her like that.
0: His bay, his boo... That's better. Okay, his boo um, has to return to the United States. Now, he met her kind of more up north, where she was a social worker and a jazz club singer, but she's actually from the Deep South. Her sister supposedly committed suicide. He accompanies her. Now, there is a thematic problem with this shift. You know, one of the strengths of McGregor's Black Panther was that while before we had seen him as the black panther as an adventurer and as a playboy now mcgregor's was as a king Mm -hmm. and now he's kind of back to being an adventurer again or bodyguard really Mm -hmm. and it doesn't really quite work in my opinion Mm -hmm. but i know that what mcgregor wanted to do was he wanted to talk about race and he wanted to provide honkies Which is why we start with the first one, which is cover dated January 1976, Issue 19, with him beating up a bunch of Ku Klux Klan people. Because nothing says, we got a bunch of honkies for you, like him beating the crap out of them. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's a fun cover. Now, the the one thing that doesn't look like Klan is that the robes aren't quite as long as the Klan usually wear. I I grew up in a small southern town, folks. The, The Klan did annual marches and rallies in the town. I know what these things look like. Um, usually because I was there on the sidelines flipping them off. And <laughs> they have this blue thing on them, but the clan has lots of chapters and variant groups, so who knows. And unfortunately, the question never really gets answered in the story, but we'll get to that. So McGregor's given them their honkies, and he's obviously thinking about race. I mean, race is still on everybody's mind. It's the year that the Race Relations Act is passed in the United States. For the first time, you can't deny employment to people because of race. Uh, Certainly a problem that blacks, Latinos, Asian Americans, many have felt in uh, the country's history. And when he was writing this, it was a bi-monthly title, remember that. It would have been around August of 1975. So the 10-year anniversary of the Watts Race Uprising. And if you don't know much about that, it's a pivotal moment in America's history. And I'm pretty sure Don McGregor was thinking of it. It was the biggest uprising in terms of violence until the Rodney King riots in 1992. Now, a lot of people call them riots. I call them uprisings because while in both cases, a driver, a uh, drunk driver triggered them, and Rodney King's was especially bad because he was just beaten by the cops and it was video recorded. The incident of the guy in 1965, uh, I don't remember his name particularly, but I remember that he was drunk driving Oh, uh, Marquis Fry, Marquis Fry was his name. And he was a young 20s African-American drunk driving. He basically resisted arrest, fled to his mom's home. This was the age before camcorders and digital cameras. So we don't have recordings of what happened, but there are rumors of police brutality, just like happened with Rodney King, including the cops kicking a pregnant woman. So the uprising happened, I call it an uprising and civil riot, because I do think it was a social and political action. While the trigger may have been this drunk guy that fled, which is a bad thing, the anger that erupted was from the police's treatment of the people uh, spread into all these other emotions that were present because of real social problems like housing, um, police brutality, the economy, how things are, you know, unequal use of tax dollars compared to other nearby neighborhoods. I mean, all these kinds of things.
1: It was just a match on an already box of firewood.
0: And by the end of it, 34 people died. There were over a thousand injuries, uh, hundreds arrested, and it was bad. Now, in the 19th century, now that was huge, and it was 10 years before, but there were race issues ongoing, and there were violent interactions between authorities and, and black communities, Uh, And still happening. I mean, some happened, I believe, in Chicago and Cleveland in 1976, in fact. So race is on his mind. And McGregor, who had really avoided these issues in jungle action up till now because it's Wakanda. And so race came up a little bit. For example, Venom had some kind of racially insensitive things to say about T'Challa Although he never said them about Taku, so that may have been more of a opportunistic harass you thing than any real racism on his yeah. part.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but Taku was his bay. Yeah. And McGregor wanted to explore more, so he had to bring T'Challa to the U.S. Now, as I said, this didn't work as well thematically, but we jump into the title. The cover was a little misleading because the fight against a group that we enter into is actually wearing purple hoods and blue outfits. But they're carrying the daggers, and they're about to attack Monica Lynn at the graveside of her sister, who's thinking back to their childhood together. T'Challa beats them up, throws one into an oncoming car, who's not one of the bad guys. He just got his window destroyed for no good reason, except he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Uh, Monica Lynn actually contributes a little bit of fighting. And in the end, uh, they round these guys up and take them into the cops. The guy driving the car turns out to be a reporter, and he's there because he wants to tell a story. Now, the obvious opinion is that these guys must be part of the Klan, the KKK, the Ku Klux Klan. For those who aren't familiar with the Klan, uh, especially for anybody in the remote education program, not from the United States, they are a political group that rose out of the post American Civil War in the Deep South. They were very much a political group who were opposed to the Northern policies being implemented in the South at the end of the war, especially where they dismantled traditional social and political and economic structures, such as redistribution of wealth to now free uh, slaves of African descent and that kind of thing. Now, as time went on, they became increasingly a social conservative group that not just resisted Northern change, but change in general. And by now, Previously uh, to the 20th century, so end of the U.S. Civil War through the 19th century, their antagonism was mainly focused on Catholics and Jews, those that they saw as the bringers of the northern, you know, oppression of their people, their white people. Uh, But, I mean, there, there was no violence against anybody who they felt got in their way in some way, including Blacks. By the early 20th century, especially the Great Depression, blacks became a frequent target because the economy was crap. A lot of people didn't have jobs and they wanted somebody to blame. So they started saying, well, the blacks are taking all our jobs. We got to get rid of them. If this, by the way, sounds familiar to what people have said about Latinos in the late 20th, early 21st century, you're right. We've been there before.
1: They're just recycling on who to blame.
0: Right, exactly. Because they don't want to admit the economy is crap, and that's the problem.
1: It's almost like it's the people in charge.
0: Right. Now I mean, and in fact, things were so bad that there were religious leaders in the African-American community who were also starting movements to return to Africa because they didn't want to stay. They were like, <laughs> everything is so crap here. Maybe if we just went back to Africa, it'd be better. Now, you laugh, but there there were some major movements. Malcolm X's father was a member of this movement. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that's the getting into a topic that's not for today. So, anyway, the Black Panther gathers up these thugs. They refuse to talk. They're obviously somewhat disciplined. And they take them to the sheriff. Now, they attempt saying at the sheriff, Well, this here guy, he just showed up and beat us all up. We were just standing around innocent as you can be with knives and blue robes in a graveyard at night. And he done attacked us. And the sheriff, uh, he replies, I- I'm going to try to do a southern accent here for the sheriff. Let's see what I got here. Well, what do you boys got to say for yourselves? And, the boy, and they say, ain't no crime dressing up looking at him. He's dressed like some sort of agent for Satan. I don't know where a pure black outfit with cat ears became an agent for Satan folks, but wow. Both he and the woman of lied. He attacked us. Now, she, Monica is shooting these guys a, I would cut your asses if we weren't in a police station look.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And the sheriff says, now, nah, Miss Lynn, I can hear your words without your speaking them. I seen him put all you together. I swear you have yourselves a regular costume ball. You see, these are local boys, which don't give them no special leeway like they might think. Now, you made yourself a good point there, Mr. Lawyer type Jedediah Thord. Except I never knew you had no degree, no sir. But seeing as you got yourself well educated, you might recollect that there's a law against desecration of burial grounds. Now, you don't want to spend some time behind bars cooling your heels? You better get your act together and tell me what kind of fool club you belong to and what it was you hoped to accomplish in the cemetery. So, here we introduce a white officer of the law who is not putting up with this. He's not putting up with an organized group that looks like the Klan attacking people. He doesn't care if they're black. He's there to represent the law. And, and this is a part of American history we need to recognize. There has certainly a, been a lot of legal forces in the South that had been corrupt over time. Some of them worked directly with the Klan. Some of them just turned a blind eye because they were afraid of the Klan's power. But in many cases, they directly assisted in taking down the Klan. Uh, I'll give you an example. This is an example from the year, 1976, when this was published. So a new attorney general uh, took power in the South. Uh, My memory's a little faint. I wanna say it was Mississippi. Mississippi had had a long pattern of bad bombings. And years before this, they had had a horrible bombing of a church that killed three little girls. Or was it four? Black no. girls, of course. These were bombings of black churches. And this one guy was basically known for it. People knew he did it. Within private circles, he bragged. But whenever cops came around, they all clammed up. Mm-hmm. They couldn't gather proof or evidence. So the attorney general started going after him and started pulling at threads, started trying to gather evidence. This is a white guy, of course. So this is a bit of an excerpt uh, I grabbed from an interview uh, a number of years ago. And the interviewer is named Cornish, the ex-attorney general, and this was many years later, is named uh, Baxley. Cornish says, so one day you got a letter from the white supremacist Edward R. Fields, right? He's the Grand Dragon of the New Order Knights of the Ku Klux Klan. Describe that letter. What did it say? Well, I took it as a threat. He called me a traitor to my race, and how dare I prosecute or investigate these white Christian patriots and blah, 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 blah. And so they demanded a response. So I sat down and wrote them a response. And you write this response on official letterhead. Can you read it? Well, I don't have it with me, but if you read it, I'll confirm it. Well, it's only one line, so I'm assuming you remember it. I- I'd rather not repeat it. Okay, I tried really hard to get him to read this letter, but the thing is, Bill Baxley's really polite. And this letter, parents note, is not so polite. So we're gonna have another Southern gentleman step in here and do the honors. So another fellow named Will Huntsbury steps in and says, Dear mister Dear Dr. Fields, my response to your letter of February nineteenth, nineteen seventy six is to kiss my ass. <laughs> sincerely bill baxley (laughs) attorney general so you know when people say that you have to think about history as the time uh this was not a time period when everyone agreed that racism was okay Mm -hmm. it was a matter of conflict and there were many people on the right side Mm -hmm. of the ethical and moral issues Uh, and don mcgregor wants to show some of this complexity so we move on. We have T'Challa visiting the house. He's drinking Monica Lin's mom's sweet tea and fried chicken. He's really enjoying it. Question. Mm-hmm.
1: This is like the next day, right? Yeah. Why is he still in his suit?
0: That becomes a question. I'm I'm gonna pass by this. He didn't. You know, I understand why he maybe kept the cowl on when he was facing down the thugs. And I was willing to forgive and say maybe he had some quick change system for putting the outfit on in the graveyard. Mm-hmm. But in the course of this story, he wears it. And some. Well, we'll wait till we get to that. Okay. I'll let you react to that when we get to that. So they talk. Outside, we see on one side of the Lynn's house a bunch of these blue robe, purple uh, uh, cowled people. And then on the other side, regular clansmen. One side has guns, one side has bottles, and it's clear they both want to kill the Lens, and they don't like each other, and want the other to take the blame for it. Oh, no. So we have some sort of factionism, and I guess I should note, among the blue uh, people, one of them was black. So there's a mystery going on here, and we don't really know exactly what's happening. Now as all this is happening Lynn's father just continues to play solitaire by himself and he says at the end hey there see that monica my red jack i knew it was due to come up <laughs> It's kind of a cheesy joke but i liked it Yeah And he be- and he becomes an interesting figure of integrity through the story Um now we jump then to issue 20 and it doesn't look like black panthers in the south anymore but city streets, but we see that he's actually in a grocery store, probably still in that same southern town. Now here's the weird thing. He's pushing a shopping cart and some <laughs> equivalent of Aldi's. And would you like to describe how he's how T'Challa is dressed?
1: He's still in the Black Panther suit. He even has the hood still on. Right!
0: This is stupid. Stupid! and of course everybody's freaking out and staring at him
1: obviously
0: you know this seems really out of character for t'challa who's comfortable i mean he doesn't have an obsessive compulsive behavior about his outfit
1: yeah we saw him when he was in wakanda regularly not wearing the black panther outfit
0: and he's this hasn't really been covered in the podcast But it's an established part of his character that he's lived in the United States before, and this was referenced by Don McGregor earlier when he was talking to Monica Lynn's mother, uh, that he's lived in the U.S. under a civilian identity teaching.
1: So he should know what regular clothes look like.
0: And, And be comfortable. I mean, so he's doing this to antagonize people. He has to be or maybe to intimidate people who might attack, obviously doesn't help because he ends up having a huge fight in the store.
1: Honestly, I think it would just make him a bigger target.
0: Right, this seems like a bad idea. And of course the problem with so visibly potentially antagonizing people is that you succeed at antagonizing them. And indeed this little old lady is like trying to hit him because she assumes that he's evil and a thug. The police point their guns at T'Challa uh, they want to shoot him, the sheriff shows up and chews them out, and order is restored. Then, as the storyline goes on, and I'm going to skip some of the stuff with the reporter, but right now in this part, I want to bring it up. So, T'Challa ends up going to check out this abandoned plantation that he got a tip on. Meanwhile, the reporter is talking to Monica Lynn's family. Now, T'Challa ends up in this huge fight against... The actual clan clan this time. And they're out burning crosses and having a nanny. Um, I assume somebody's marrying their first cousin somewhere in this. Oh um, you know, maybe some second cousins, but only if they couldn't find the first ones. <laughs> and eventually he gets overwhelmed by sheer numbers and dragged down. Now, while all this is happening, we get editorial text. The panther's avenging form reflects the flaring torchlight, and the colors shift red and orange, and yellow over the blue length of his straining body. Now, this is kind of a problem I have. Now, often, black outfits are represented in blue, because otherwise they're just blobs on the page. But his name is the Black Panther, not the Blue Panther. And this... they
1: typically call it blue. Right. Even though it's just meant to be shading. Right. Oh, God.
0: Um and yeah, I kinda had a problem with that page. He's now, not
1: he's not a football mascot, he's the Black Panther.
0: Right. So during all this, while he's fighting and they're and they are beating the crap out of him, Monica is asking this reporter, uh named Trueblood, why did he become a reporter? What is he doing? And he says there wasn't any fantasy involved once I'd learned What I'd learned once I had started to investigate. Like finding the foot of an elephant in that old fable and thinking it was a whole animal. I didn't realize, but I'd only discovered one tiny part of the organism. Now, there's some text here that you have to, like, pack up several panels and reread like, three or four times before you start figuring out what he's saying. There's some sloppy writing starting to go on here.
1: Yeah. And,
0: and, And... while McGregor may have been criticized legitimately a few times for proselytizing, he mostly showed through action here. He's falling into a bad writer's trap. And we see one of the reasons for declining sales at this point, uh, when you have to go back and reread panels, it's okay to have comics that are challenging because you have trouble understanding the ideas and you want to reread and reabsorb ideas. But when you actually have trouble understanding what someone is saying, who's trying to explicitly communicate an idea to someone else, that takes you out of the story.
1: Yeah, that's an issue.
0: Right. But what is essentially happening as this goes on is he starts saying that he found himself playing this role of being one against many, that he likes being the champion of telling the truth, that he's willing to fight all these fanatics and be the man against many. And then at the same time, the Black Panther is fighting one against many. He's literally doing the thing that the other guy is talking about. And And losing. And losing. And this parallel is being drawn between the Black Panther's fight of man against society in a way that wouldn't happen in Wakanda and about how this black man, this king, this incredible figure still can't stand up to the overwhelming masses And it makes you wonder, can a reporter do it? But that the fight for the truth is important. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Now, we find the Black Panther in a powerful panel. I mean, this art is amazing. The dynamic elements are amazing. They are dragging him to a cross and overwhelming him by sheer numbers as several point shotguns at him. And then he's tied onto a cross that's set on fire.
1: That's not good.
0: And in the final panel, the reporter says... I just hope I don't have to die because I believed in America. Now, there is a little bit of a problem here thematically because the Black Panther, you know, has been his parallel through this. And he's now invoking a nationalistic idea that probably was meaningful to Don McGregor. But I can't imagine the Black Panther believing in America. He's a Wakandan.
1: He only came here for his girlfriend.
0: I mean, he may like America. He's lived in America before. Mm -hmm. But he's unlikely to have that sense of nationalistic attention.
1: Yeah, because this isn't his home.
0: Right. So next issue, Cross of Fire, Cross of Death. We open with an amazing page. Billy Graham is just...
1: That's beautiful.
0: Oh, my. For such a horrible image, it's amazing. There is a little proportioning that's a little questionable in places, but we can pass that. So the cross is on fire. He should be dying. And McGregor wanted to get in front of the outrage that was sure to happen. So he put in the first uh, little panel, he is not a symbolic Christ. (laughs) Now he works that into the text, but he wanted to get that out of the way. And because he does, and it it is an important point, he does not intend to sacrifice himself. He is not... Uh, a Martin Luther King, a Malcolm X, neither of whom intended to be sacrificial martyrs, by the way. And T'Challa sure as hell is not going to be not. This is still a superhero comic. Uh, Although there's no gadgets, no technology, it's just him as a man. I mean, he he is more Batman without a utility belt than he is, you know, a big superhero.
1: Oh, wow. He's flexible.
0: Yeah, he manages to break off the cross by breaking the top off and snapping it, and then charging the clan with the Burning Cross on his back. He manages to stumble away and find a stream to get the fire out, but his body has been severely and badly burned. He crawls out, manages to get to a hospital, where he's laid up for several weeks. Now, only because of the amazing healing from his uh, twice-a-year ritual with the herbs, is he able to recover in a few weeks he by all a normal person would have been hospitalized for god i'm not an expert on skin trauma but i'm imagining eight months a year i mean much much more Mm -hmm. um and as this goes on they go to confront the clan at a rally the story doesn't really seem to be going anywhere but it is making progress. You're you're kind of like, okay, we don't know who the people in blue are. We don't know what their conflict against the actual KKK is. But there's some sort of splinter group that's broken off maybe. And there does seem to be a progress forward. Even if none of the pieces are adding together yet. And then we get to this bizarre thing. And we get this figure that looks like He's like the headless horseman's brother. And and it's this misshapen, fiery head on a fiery horse. And it says, Doom is the Death Rider. And he's throwing a burning pitchfork at the Black Panther. And the horse is on fire and all this. And he's the soul strangler. And this issue is bizarre. I'm I'm just going to give it to you out front. Don McGregor, I think, was going for something very ambitious that didn't work. Now, the early panels here, I'm going to say... They pulled off some great writing in the early pages. You know, T'Challa is talking to the mother and says, Mrs. Lin, it has been an exhilarating night, and you make it more so. And she's just like, hoo
1: hoo-hoo, hoo-hoo, T'Challa. I would like to point out he's still in the outfit.
0: Yes, that I was going to bring that up. Now, I mean, we're, we're going back to him being the playboy. I mean, he's a suave motherfucker but he's still in the outfit what the, they're Was sitting he, around playing cards knitting and eating dinner and he's still in the outfit
1: which does not make him look <laughs> suave
0: no it, the whole thing's bizarre and they imply he, he jumps out now in his defense he does jump out of a, a, a wakandan transport ship so it implies implies that maybe he's just come back from Wakanda, so being in ceremonial guard would make sense. But then he says things to her like he's been there all night. and her. Pre- but maybe he's just saying seeing her makes it an even better night. I don't know. But- anyway, he does actually take the cowl off to eat some pie. Oh, finally. And then they start telling stories, uh, the older Lynns do, of the Ku Klux Klan and persecutions against older family members. And in this weird dream sequence, T'Challa inserts himself. He starts imagining the story they're telling him where he's now in the past fighting these people. What? And it's weird. And the whole thing is confusing. And there was an opportunity for a really powerful story here and there's a part of me that wonders, did somebody on it... I, I, I have in my imagination that Don McGregor wrote this without Black Panther in the old story. And somebody on editorial went, Don. yeah, Yankee Honky. It's bad enough you tell stories without honkies in them. <laughs> but... You have a whole issue where the only thing the Black Panther does is flirt with, you know, an older woman and eat pie. You got to have him fight this thing. And Don McGregor, in a fit of Fuck You, wrote a dream sequence where he imagines it instead of it actually happening. And so it's not an adventure story. It's not a powerful reminiscence. It's a confusing mess. And it takes away from the dramatic power of what could have been a very powerful story otherwise. hmm And then we get... Uh, oh, by the way, it says, Next, Wind, Eagle, in Eagle, Flight. And actually, the next issue was a reprint of an old issue of Daredevil. What? Uh, now, I have heard that this was a f- officially because... Don McGregor didn't hit some sort of deadline. Uh, I think that was probably the case. Also, remember, this is the point at which Don McGregor's uh, marriage had collapsed. He was moving. All kinds of things were happening. So the quality of the storyline has gone down, but his own life was problematic. Mm -hmm. So we do end up meeting Wind Eagle in the issue after that, number 24. He strikes from the Savage Skies, the Wind Eagle. And he's dark-skinned, but he's Latino, not African-American. And he's working for this splinter KKK group called the Dragon Circle. And it turns out those are the guys in the blue robes. Mm. And we meet the Black Panther in media res, in the middle of action. Stuff has already happened. We have to learn what happened in flashbacks now. But he's tied to a water wheel at a mill. And it looks like things are not going to go well for him. I'm going
1: to put that position as not comfortable
0: no and he's going to be put under the water to drown by it Huh? and so now we see flashbacks he's out with a reporter he jumps up to talk to a guy who's a telephone worker he's still wearing the outfit (laughs) jumping around dramatically all the time and we see the series of events that led up to him getting attached to that wheel including him fighting wind eagle and over the course of the issue he manages to break free and then he goes he goes to find wind eagle he has questions and this is going to be it and we kind of get the sense that maybe he's going to get answers that's the last page it's canceled
1: oh really this is when they end it yeah
0: so, officially, later on, they said in later appearances of the Black Panther. Well, what happened after that was the Circle of the Dragon and the Wind Eagle captured T'Challa and they gave him drugs to wipe his memory and took him back to Wakanda and abandoned him. A, how the hell did they know where Wakanda was? B, the lame as shit. C, does that mean that they were unimpeded and went through and killed the Lin family? I mean, nothing about this is even vaguely satisfactory.
1: Why is he more light-skinned than he was in the cover?
0: Because they did that to people of color a lot. Hold on, I think the hounds got another history student. Well, sadly, I have to announce that it was not a history student or any student. They apparently got one of the janitors this time. And they actually do real work that's valuable around here, so. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sorry. That's, That's a shame. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he should have known better than to go out in the quad at this time
1: He really should have
0: it, it's Still, I mean yes. I mean, you can't just replace a gender like you can a student
1: I know
0: I mean, yeah um, So This is the end of Jungle Action featuring Black Panther Now, they fired Don McGregor from this writing gig Now, the way Black The, the way Black the way marvel was handling writing at the time uh don mcgregor was actually working as a proofreader at marvel and he wrote on the side as an extra contract so he wrote at night and he was burning the candle at both ends he 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 i think he was kind of burned out by this point and it showed in the writing great ideas poor execution i do wonder how much uh they interfered Don McGregor has said, but not given details. Unfortunately, he's passed away now, so I can't ask him. Unless I summon his ghost? There are problems with that, as we talked about in the Legion of Superhero episode. Yeah. Um, He has said that when you're there in editorial, you know, one of the advantages you get is that people have trouble messing with your books because you have an editorial presence, even if you're not editing your own book. And he said something to indicate that Uh, That wasn't the case anymore. Now, I thought that he quit his editorial position after he was fired from the Black Panther writing, but maybe it was the other way around, and he quit editorial first to have more time uh, to try to repair things with his family, and then they were able to start messing with him more, because I swear, that dream sequence issue, I don't think Don McGregor meant for that to be written that way. I, 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 I want to see if I can track down the original scripts for that, if I can find them anywhere. So, that was it. And we will talk next week uh, about one of the creators of the Black Panther, Jack Kirby, returning to Marvel and taking over the title. And it's going to be a bit of a shift.
1: Oh, Kirby, why did you do this to me?
0: But Kirby can do no wrong. Now, I'm going to tell you in advance, folks. Kirby's Black Panther is not the Black Panther I wanted. He is probably the Black Panther we deserved. And it was a brilliant Black Panther, but not for any political or social relevance reasons at all. All right. So we will see you then, folks. Bye.